Hello there ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of CookieCast. Today on CookieCast, it's the football podcast. We've got a special guest host in the form of Stuart Woodmansley. And uh, as always, myself and Paul. And uh, we're all talking football. End of the season's coming. Uh, so uh, that looks uh, that looks as you'd probably expect. Uh, a lot like the end of the season. Uh yeah. If you're checking us out on YouTube, look at you, you get to see our lovely faces. Uh, while you're there, click, like, subscribe, share, drop us a comment, try and beat the jock while you're there, all of that good stuff. If you just like listening along, that's fine, but uh, if you could subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from, that would be amazing. So here we go, this is CookieCast, the Riverside Roundup. Right, well, if everything's uh, everything's working the way it should be, which, you know, <laughs> anybody's guess, um, we're here to, uh, to listen to Paul tell us the deal about why we're here. Go on, Paul. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as you can, uh, as you can probably see by the, uh, the smiling faces on your televisual screen slash your audio-visual ears, um, it's, uh, I mean, it could be it could be any any one of a number of podcasts. So, answers on a postcard if you if you want to send them in below. And uh, I mean, unfortunately, the the only thing I could I could reach that, that even like remotely classes as a beverage is uh, is this. <laughs> Northern that, boys love gravy. Is that gravy? Gravy. Um, yeah, I feel like I've uh, feel like I've rambled a little bit a little bit too long there. So, welcome along to another instalment of um, what potentially will be one of the last couple of episodes of the Riverside Roundup, as I imagine. For the start of next season, we'll probably change the name yet again on the podcast. Um, so yeah, so what 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 I might suggest is we make it just more not team specific and more. Ornament specific. You're, you're thinking of going down the route of the uh, Washington football team, aren't you? You're thinking of calling it the Football Podcast. Yep. Which, I mean, let's it, face it, it. Ticks, it ticks all the boxes. Let's so, face it. You know. The fact that it hasn't happened already. So, yeah, welcome along. We're going to give you uh, another <coughs> minute of um, you know football football chatter. Football. Um, I was going to say banter then, but there'll be there'll be a little bit, I suppose. Um, you know, probably talking about how terrible Middlesbrough are or how good Hull have been this season, and then obviously, no doubt, we'll resort back to tight from next season onwards or something like that. Correct. <laughs> now I want yes. it. Go, I want it to go on record. Off you go, Andrew. I'm saying it now. I want it to go on record. Next season, Middlesbrough season, they're absolutely going up. There you go, it's on record. I'm putting down 3-0 for every game. 
He's manifesting this. Manifesting it. It's out if there. If you believe it, it will happen. But you can't. You can't put three 0 for every game. I mean, you know, I, I mean, could. Realistically, you could put a 3 0 home win for every game. Well, no, because what about if. I, I can't remember if. I, see, my, my internet cut out, surprise. So I don't know if he said that he's putting Middlesbrough down for a 3 0 home win or Hull down for a 3 0 home win. And then that made me think, well, he can't do that. Because obviously, if the other one of me or you is in the room, he has to buy a law, give us a goal. So. Mm, that is. <laughs> my 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 theory is flawed. I'll have to work uh, uh, on it in the off season. While I'm all, <laughs> go on. Just just before you do that, there was a guy a couple of years ago when uh, when Talksport were doing like a predictors a predictions league. Uh, one of the presenters, rather than actually sort of put effort into it and do actual predictions each week, he uh, put every game down as a one nil home win for the entirety of the season to see if it would win in the prediction. I, I don't. <laughs> I'd be interested to see it. I'd be interested to see if it in fact did win in the predictions so we uh, we have a lovely format I am a man that likes a format as it's been said and uh, this podcast has a beautiful format it's polished, it's refined it's chiselled some would say and it goes a little something like this. We like to ease in gently by looking up back over the last seven days, which is also known as a week. See what's been going on in the football news and a section we like to call This Week in Football. So, gentlemen, both you here, gentlemen, what's been going down in the world of football in the last week? I've been hearing something about one of my old stomping grounds. And about how uh, they absolutely love kicking off games, uh, you know, at, at start time and stuff with uh, with absolutely no hiccups whatsoever. I mean, that was probably the Bristol game, but um, Man United went terribly. Bristol boys, Bristol boys. <laughs> yes, unless you've been living under a rock um, on Sunday at. Around 2pm, I think. Um, I'll, I'll use this term very loosely. Fans broke in to Old Trafford um, and decided to stage a protest on the pitch. Um, they even Some of them even got up into the stands, um, into some of the corporate boxes... Apparently a flare was thrown in the direction of the Sky Sports presenters that were on air at the time. Obviously there was another game being played, um, so it wasn't actually broadcast or anything like that. But yeah, they were obviously in their position for um, the build-up to the Man United-Liverpool game. So we're obviously out in, not the open air because it was within the stadium, but they were out in, in full view of the pitch and... Yeah, um, apparently some of the fans got down the entrance tunnel where the players come out of the dressing rooms to the pitch. Um, and then there was, I think there was talk of some of them were going to try and hide under the seat coverings to wait until the game had started and come out as the game had started to try and disrupt the game even more. Now, obviously, 
as it went on, the game didn't get played because, well, quite rightly so, they couldn't um, guarantee the safety of the players. Um, and uh, the police that obviously came in and did, they must have done a search of the entire stadium, or as much of the stadium as they could, to get all the fans back out again and um, away from the uh, playing surface and the, and the stands and things like that. And then obviously it just escalated from there and apparently one of the police officers was slashed by one of the supporters. Uh, I only saw that earlier today. And then there was a couple of it, it said that two police officers were injured, but one of them received a significant slash wound to the face. So it wasn't just that like they jabbed in the arm or anything. Like that like that's vicious man. Like how is that proving your point? Exactly. It's like the it's that thing in it where you, you're protesting against, or you, well, you're actually protesting your, your arguments against the wrong folk there, because obviously the police aren't there as Man United like paid employees. They're there as as their civil duty as a you know to protect the uh, the, the public and so like that. And obviously they they're just doing their job. They've got nothing, got no affiliation with Man United whatsoever. Um, they're just there to do their job. And you're taking out a blade or whatever, whipping it across some poor bastard's face. So, yeah, it, it annoyed me at the time because on air Sky was saying that um, uh, the the main thing they kept coming out and saying was that it was it was a largely peaceful protest, which annoyed me straight away because it can never be a peaceful protest when breaking and entering is taking place. They were trashing um, the players as well. They were throwing like cameras and stuff. Well. And the the thing with the flare, causing, the, causing criminal damage. Yeah, the flare got the most coverage because you know it look it looks pretty to start with, but then once it settles, that's a flaming hot item, and uh, you know those seats are more often than not plastic. It's a fire risk. One of those seats goes up, takes the next lot with it. Next thing you know, half the stadium's on fire. So it's. Ooh. Well, as well, if you think about it, obviously the seats in, in the bottom sort of section of all the seats that are in the stadium, the moment, they've all got um, fabric coverings over it to obviously make it look a little bit more aesthetically pleasing and to obviously stop the ball from getting in behind the seats. So it's easy to retrieve. And I'm assuming that's just made of like fabric. So that'll be that'll be flammable. That'll go up like that. So, yeah, the... the they don't seem to sort of. It was mis misplaced. Would be would be the best thing I could probably say. It was foolish. I could understand the the want to protest against the owners, and you know they obviously wanted to make a statement where they're not willing to put up with the amount of money that they've taken out of the club anymore. But they went about it the complete wrong way to me. Um, and yeah, not not on. Not on. I think I like. I don't know if it's. I mean, this might be me speaking out of turn, but I get the feeling that the thing with Sky, particularly, and the the protests for Man United, is that because they they seem to obviously they've got a very close relationship with with Gary Neville, and he was the voice of reason throughout all the Super League stuff and all the rest of it. Like, it seems to be like they just follow whatever he says now, and like, yeah. There was the stuff about, um, and I feel sorry for Solskjaer, and we might come back to that, but like 
there was a thing about him saying about the Glazers and the, the I think it's is Joel the one like the old older one with the ponytail. He was basically followed almost. Uh, I, I think I think I think Avram is the one with the ponytail. The ponytail, so it was him. Like, I so think he, Joel's like the main face. He was all but followed, and they might as well have got in his passenger seat. To be honest, just asking him questions, like proper, like. I mean, I know it's a difficult situation, and I know that essentially the journalists have to do their job, but Sky, for me, are very much on the, um, almost the side of the protesters in the way that, like you said about the the, the, the reference, it was largely peaceful when it wasn't. Um, I was watching some coverage of the, the build-up to the uh, Chelsea Champions League game, and they had a, a, a reporter outside the Chelsea ground, and they were saying, oh, we're, expe- we're expecting a... A, a small police presence here, nothing nothing like would have been required at Old Trafford because the situation at Old Trafford's very different. Like well it, it it it's not. It's absolutely not different to me because they've still got a dictator owner in that actually given the chance, if there was somebody that would take them on, Chelsea fans might I don't know, if if you if you listen along, leave us some comments that I get in touch, but if somebody said, right, you've got somebody who's got a shred of common decency with Abramovich's money, they'd, they'd swap Abramovich out in a heartbeat to me. I, it, it, yes, he brought the club success, but, I mean, you wouldn't get him to, like, do your sh- do the shopping for your nan, would you? Because he's, <laughs> he's, he's, not, he's not that kind. No. Uh, the, the Solskjaer thing, just before, I, I feel sorry for him because, like, club legend, put in, he's been put in that position now where... He, he shouldn't be the mediator in all this. He's got enough to do trying to manage the team. But yet, there's absolutely no word coming out from the owners. All the pressure has been put on by the media. And then he's the one that's having to sit there and say, well, the owners have, have apologised to me directly. Right. <laughs> okay, then. But, like, he's, he's, he's the only one, like, fronting anything up at the moment. And, like, he's the only one with, with a voice of reason saying... Like you know, even Sky included in this, he's the only one that's actually been saying, "Yeah, protest, that's fine, but just do it peacefully because that's your right to do that. It's not your right yeah. to come and smash ten bells out of the stadium that you supposedly enjoy watching your football in. It's just, it's just nonsense. Not great. It's not good. Like, like you say, I mean, obviously, like he's borne the brunt of it. From a perspective of he's he's looked as like like the, the, a spokesperson as such because no one else has come out and said anything, and he like says in that unenviable position because because no one is saying anything. People are looking to him for some sort of update, some sort of answers, and if he hasn't got an answer to give them, because why would he? Because if they if the owners aren't speaking to him directly and telling him what their what their propositions are, and he's. His hands are tied, really, aren't they? And I don't know, so I always, I always think it's a bit like, suspect when, like, you see like programs on Sky, like when a, when a team's just been beaten like four 0 or something. I know they've got to, they've got to do a press match, they've got to do a post match press conference with the, with the manager and stuff like that. But when they ask him like stupid questions about like, how would you feel today when the guys that just turn and said, well, it was shit, mate. Wasn't it? We shipped four goals. That wasn't part of the plan. Um, and I just like it's like. Should I just ask? You've got a bit of just like common sense. Just ask him anything that, like, that doesn't involve like the setup for the game. So obviously, the the game plan hasn't gone to hasn't hasn't gone to like what it was supposed to be. So just 
sort of thing. It just, it's just baffling to me, but I suppose that's all part of like sports journalism. I suppose. Mm. Yeah. Sad times at the end of the day. Any sort of, uh, sort of, not not so much violence, but just wanton destruction and stuff like that. It's just it's not getting the right point across. There are other ways to do things. Anything else happening or happened, should I say, in the last week in football? Well, just just when the Man United fans' week couldn't get any worse, Man City have made the Champions League final. <laughs> just, just to rub a bit of salt in that wound. <laughs> so obviously, uh, some of the Man United fans' like complaints is, oh, we've not been competitive for the past seven years or whatever. And then obviously that, that just sort of just so happens to be at the same time where they're, you know, cross city rivals are enjoying their most um purple patch of all time I suppose, but obviously that, that's that's understandable given the given the huge the huge investment levels that have been thrown into the club and stuff like that. But yeah, it must be a little bit galling for them. But yeah, fair play to them. They uh, they outplayed um, PSG over two leg. Um but by far the better team. Um, so fully deserved to get to the final for me. Uh, they'll find out tonight who they will play in the final, whether it be Chelsea or Real Madrid, and they're due to kick off within the next half hour or so. So we'll see. Will it will it be another all English final like it was two years ago? We could we could be in a position where we're having all English finals across the the, the two cup competitions again. Mm. Um, which I'm sure you were for a well happy about because they always love the English, so that's nice. Um, yeah, other, other than the other than the Champions League, um, the it's been announced that uh, I'll just find it again. Um, the league had confirmed that they were going to uh, try and accept fans back in the stadium for the last two games of the Premier League season. Yep. Um, they've they've confirmed today it will just be home support as there won't be any away support so I think at first it was expected that they were going to try and do it where they had both sets of supporters in to make it a little bit more like a regular game but obviously they're still not willing to let masses of people travel which is sensible obviously if you've got Newcastle playing Brighton or whatever on the last day of the season it's it's not the best not the best idea for one of those sets of supporters to be travelling the, the length and breadth of the country to go to a football game for 90 yeah. minutes. So they're just saying um, home supporters only. Um, I don't know if they've capped it. Oh, up, up to 10,000, it says. Up to 10,000 home fans will be allowed for the final two rounds of the Premier League season, subject to the government going ahead with the planned easing of the coronavirus restrictions. So... Is that, um, is that is that ten grand ten thousand all the way around though on the basis that wasn't it something that it was like up to there was fifty percent capacity or ten thousand whichever was lower or something like that yeah so I think I'm just trying to think off the top of my head how, what the smallest state now that obviously Bournemouth have gone down the smallest stadium in the division is probably Burnley I mean you're definitely stepping on Andy's questions but. Um. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think I think Burnley have probably got the smallest one. I think there's all about twenty four thousand something like that. So even with that, 
like 50 50% of the capacity is still over 10,000 so it'll, it'll stick at the 10,000 level but um, obviously the further down you go and um, it'll potentially affect um, the National League clubs going into the end of their season because they're at a point now where they've got four games left and then obviously there'll be the playoffs um, oh, it'll be the same for Championship League one League two clubs that are, that are involved in the playoffs as well um, but hopefully fingers crossed you'll see um, you'll see that sort of go ahead across the board um, and you'll get the 50% capacity regulations in place at most home grounds that are affected after the 17th of May obviously I'm saying that from a purely selfish perspective because I'm hoping I'll have some Hartlepool United games to go to so <laughs> imagine how weird that must be though like you've played your full season in front of nobody and then the two games potentially three that end up defining your season and all of a sudden it's like there's people exactly. people but, but in, a, in, a, in a weird way as well like obviously like for it, it gives it, it might give the players like an extra incentive to try and get like I mean not not the elite any more incentive than like you know a day out at Wembley and the chance to play in a higher division but it's that thing of ooh if we get there you know, one, we'll have the chance to win the playoffs and get up to the next division. And we might get to do it in front of supporters that we haven't done for the best part of, like, 18 months. So, double bonus, really. Mm. But we'll see We'll see what happens. Obviously, like, like you say, it's all, it's all in line with the restrictions getting eased as they are set out at the moment. But anything can change in the next two weeks, I suppose. So, watch this space. So, anything else? Not really. No. Unless Stu's got anything. I, I'm, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to it, but obviously Hull will confirm Champions of League One, but we can talk about that later, that's fine. Uh, I've, I've looked at the schedule and, uh, you know, we've got a lot to get through today, Stu. I don't think we'll have time to cover it, I'm afraid, mate. Sorry about that. Uh, you, just, you just wait till next season. I've, I've even had to cross it out of the book because uh, <laughs> we just haven't got the time. Paul, Paul's on a schedule, you know. We've, we've, got, we've got to move on, Stu. Let's... So, speaking of scores, teams, ups and downs, lefts and rights... What we like to do here is we like to predict mostly Middlesbrough football, often Wickham Wanderers football for some reason, uh, and newly added to the book, not that new, returning, rec a recurring character in the book is uh, this, uh, well, last week and this week's guest host guest team Hull City so first game of the week was Luton Town versus Middlesbrough so our predictions were literally all over the map all over the place. We had all bases covered, I feel. Paul, what was the score in this game? 
I believe it was a stonking 3-3 draw. Mm, some of that is right. Just just not all of it. So... Okay. I mean, that's, that's just... That was the wishful thinking that it was a 3-3 draw. Um, it was, in fact, a 1-1 one, one draw. Correct, Amanda. But, but at one point, I did think it was it had the potential to be a 3-3 draw after the uh, the two goals were scored within the space of two minutes of each other. So, so what that means, scores for scores-wise, um, Paul correctly predicted a, a draw. Not the 3-3 goal fest that he predicted. Uh, but it does secure him a point, unlike me and Stu, because I went... Uh, with a nil one and Stu went with a two one. Um, so points on the board already. We're off to an absolute flyer. Who scored the two goals in this game, Paul? The goals were scored for Luton by Glenn Ray. Indeed. And the Middlesbrough goal was scored by. Goal scorer extraordinaire, Duncan Watmore. Do you know why? Because it's probably the first week I didn't put his name down for a goal. <laughs> That's why. He was like, he's like, I've got a good feeling about this game, lads. I don't think I'm, be- I don't think I'm getting jinxed here. Let's smash one back of the net. Um, yes, this is where everything falls apart because Paul predicted five different goal scorers and didn't get any of them right <laughs> I predicted one goal scorer didn't get it right Stu you also uh, went for three goal scorers and didn't get any of them right so of the possible five six eight predicted goal scorers bagels so Paul gets one point for the game let's move on and see if Paul can secure a weak victory Wickham Wanderers took on AFC Bournemouth and uh, the way we like to do things here at the Riverside Roundup is look ahead to see what Middlesbrough are going to face down the line and then predict that current game so Middlesbrough next game is against Wickham. And uh, they were playing AFC Bournemouth. So, can anybody, I'll open it to the floor, it doesn't have to be Paul. Uh, can anybody tell me what the score in this game was? It was 1-0 uh, to Wickham. 1-0 to Wickham. Okay, so we're just going to run through the scores. Again... Couldn't have had much more bases covered on this one. Paul, nil two. Stu, one one draw. Uh, I'll tell you what though, we did have all the bases covered, didn't we? Because uh, Mr. Cook, one of the one niller. Ho ho ho! Two points. If only he could get the correct goal scorer as well. Who scored that goal? Stu, Paul, anyone? I can, I, I can tell. Oh! 
Oh, you're right, it was. Uh, that, that's who I wrote down. Luckily for you, Stuart, you also went there. Yes. Uh, so, uh, full marks, again, I'll just point that one out, again. Three points on the board, straight off. Uh, Stu gets on the board with a point. Let's talk about the whole City game, shall we? Um, Hull City took on Wigan Athletic. Um, some of us, called Paul, thought that there was going to be an absolute goal fest. Just goals all over the shop. And it was going to be Hull that were going to be delivering those goals. I'll give you a, give you a clue on this one. Paul went with a 4-0 Hull City win. Um, Stu... What was the actual score in this game? I mean, there was four goals. In the there game. was four goals. Uh, but three of them were scored by Hull, and uh, one of them for Wigan. Oh. What that means scores-wise, though, because Paul, 4-0, and uh, myself and Stu we're just had a 1-0 a apiece. It's points on the board. Points on the board. It's one, one apiece. All we needed for that. Stu. Who scored those goals? Uh, so for Wigan, it was Doodoo, which was the exact phrase I used when that goal went in. And the, the three Hull goals were scored by Keen Lewis Potter, the Honey Monster, George Honeyman, and uh, Josh McGuinness. So... Here's how this shapes up. Paul, you picked four goal scorers. You got Potter and the Honeyman. So, that's one, two, three points for this game. I... Went for McGuinness. So that's one point for a score, one point for a goal scorer. Stu, I hate to say this, mate, but it was just uh, it was just the point for the score because you went Wilkes. Yep. Um, so as uh, as certain people would like to say, in no particular order, apart from highlighting that I won this week, uh, Stu just came in with the two points. Paul screeched in sideways with four points. Winning this week with five points, it's, uh, it's Mr. Cook. Well done, sir. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. Uh, I may know absolutely nothing about football, but uh, I can write numbers down on a piece of paper. <laughs> so, what we're doing here is a little different. So, we're not predicting the future of Middlesbrough football. Not this week. However, Paul has got a little bit of something for us all. Uh, I believe that uh, Matthew Moore uh, sincerely wanted to be here, but uh, it was a little too early for his blood. Um, so, he's had, to, uh, he's had to cry off. 
but I believe he wanted to be all over our our double, our second game. And uh, seeing as he's in the room, we've got the whole city game to talk about. But first, let's talk Middlesbrough versus Wickham Wanderers. I've already gone in on the prediction. Stu, what are you fancying for this game, sir? Uh, I'm going to give Borough a goal because he's in, he's in the room. So I've not used that, I don't think, in this uh, iteration of the podcast just yet. And I'm not going to give Wickham any. So Middlesbrough 1, Wickham 0 is my prediction with a goal, an overdue goal from Mr Balassi. See, for a second there, Stu, I thought we were going to end up on the same page again. Uh, but you went with a different goal scorer. Well, Paul, Paul was looking like he was going to tell me something then, like he's, like, he's injured. Know, like rocking his toe or something. Is that a no, I was, I was going to say, when I heard you say the phrase, a long overdue goal, I, w- I was convinced that we were going to hear the name Johnny Outen come out of your lips again. After, I know, but, you know, this is going to... This is going to be the I was going to say once, once bitten, twice shy, but it would appear to be something like eight, eight time bitten. So, so you've now jinxed because this is going to be the um, Riverside Roundup version of betting on the same lottery numbers every week, and now I've changed them. Well, luckily, no, it works. luckily for you, Stu, or maybe luckily for me, uh, one nil to Middlesbrough with uh, House and to score. Yes, please. I mean, that feels like a low blow. I'll be honest. <laughs> I honest, I should not write the, write these predictions down before. I should absolutely, <laughs> I should go last on every prediction, especially uh, Wickham Wanderers AC Bournemouth. Paul, what have you got for us? Uh, so we'll come on to the reason we picked the second game in a little minute, but obviously this is the last game of the season. Um, mathematically. Wickham can stay up. They just need a few things to happen. One of those things is that they need to have a win against Middlesbrough and they need to score 13 goals. <laughs> doable. I, I, I think I think it's perfectly doable. Let's just put it this way. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a dubious second-minute red card for Middlesbrough. With, uh, with them losing the goalkeeper and there not being a sub-goalkeeper on the bench or something like that. Um, as the second game involves Derby County and Sheffield Wednesday and our manager rather famously doesn't like Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> so <laughs> if he could do everything in his power to uh, ensure that they end the day relegated from the Skybet Championship, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, however, I, I don't envisage a 13-goal win for Wickham. Uh, sadly, I do envisage a three-goal win for Middlesbrough. Perfectly acceptable. Your three goal scorers. I will go with... Wilson, Balassi and... Mally. Okay. Cabano. Okay. Uh, and give us a give us a Coburn again. 
just for the book, how are we spelling that? Um, so I believe it's spelled G O A L. So as uh, as as mentioned, we've got a we've got a surprise second game in the book this week. Um, do you want to uh, do you want to go through the? Uh... Yeah. So obviously the the permutations are that the three teams in the bottom in the bottom three still can all save themselves in theory. Wickham are pretty much down because with the greatest one in the world, they aren't going to score 13 goals. Um, so it then goes down to... It'll be, what's this? Warnock subbed himself on for the last 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's lost the ball again. Oh, he's trying to get back. Oh, he's broken his hip by trying to run. Oh, no. What a disaster for the 72-year-old. Um, or it's it's basically what um, <laughs> Amy refers to him very nicely as Grandpa Middlesbrough, so, which is lovely. And it's like, well, she was like, oh, he looks like he's a granddad. I was like, he's a granddad. He he's probably a great granddad. Let's be honest. Um. So the the other two teams, so the other two teams that are in the bottom three, along with Wickham, are Sheffield Wednesday and Rotherham. And the team just above the bottom three that can still be relegated if results go against them is Derby County. Now, as luck would have it, the football gods have done their little dance and they've given us one of those games where it's basically winner takes all, sort of, in that it's Derby County versus Sheffield Wednesday. Mm-mm. Delicious, delicious. So... They are playing against each other, and Rotherham are playing away at Cardiff. We probably should have done that. We probably should have done the Cardiff Rotherham game as well, just to sort of make it a bit more interesting. But we haven't, so let's just dance past it. Um, so, obviously, this is where this is where Matt in his Nottingham Forest guys would have come on and said, "Oh, I'd, I'd give my eye teeth." For a Sheffield Wednesday win, thus relegating Derby. Um, so, as it stands, if Derby win, Rotherham, Sheffield Wednesday, and Wickham will be relegated. If Derby draw, Sheffield Wednesday will be relegated, Wickham will be relegated, Rotherham will be relegated unless they win. So, Derby are two points ahead of Rotherham, three points ahead of Wickham and Sheffield Wednesday. So Wednesday, Wednesday has to win, regardless. If they want, if they want any chance of staying up, Wednesday have to win the game. There is a scenario where Wednesday can win and still be relegated because Rotherham have a better goal difference than them and are a point ahead of them. So if Wednesday win. And Rotherham win. It depends on who scores more goals in their win as to who will be relegated along with Wickham and Derby. So it is. It's going to be. I almost prefer this to like the battle when it comes to like teams that are going against each other for promotion. 
it's, the old, it's the old penalty shootout scenario, though, where you absolutely love to see it when it's not your team. <laughs> yeah, I, I must admit, like, if, obviously, if Borough were in the same position, I'd be, for want of a better phrase, shitting it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it, I'll, I'll certainly be watching on Saturday, I'll be uh, I'll be fully tuning into the Derby Chef Wednesday game and uh, just keeping the old uh, the old third eye on uh, the other goings on, which I'm sure they'll always be constantly updating us for. And um, oh, oh, Andrew, you you, you filth mongerer! It's the second time yeah. I've it's the second time I've heard the phrase third eye in the last few days, and I'm like, I don't think we can legally use that, can we? <laughs> It's, uh. Well. So, yeah, so. I. I'm gonna go for an optimistic Sheffield Wednesday win, but I'm just gonna go 1 0. So, Derby 0, Sheffield Wednesday 1. So, bye bye, Derby. Okay, goal scorer. I think if they've got any ex-Derby players in their squad, just to really ram it, ram for a... Um, let's have a look. Talk amongst yourselves, obviously, just to, uh, you know, keep the entertainment up. So, man, well, I'll... I'll do, do you want me to do my... Yeah, give me yours. Yeah, give me yours. So I'll, I, if my if my good friend Chris is is listening to this, I will fully apologise to him as a as a Derby fan. But um, I am also going for a Sheffield Wednesday win, and I am even more optimistic than Mister Williams. So I am going for a Derby County nil, Sheffield Wednesday two, on the basis of a couple of things. Uh, one, as as Chris himself would probably have told me, if uh, if Derby can do anything within their power to absolutely stuff it up they absolutely will and I think the last few weeks have proven that in their, their run of results uh, so I'm going goal scorers obviously I've got to pick Windass because why not and uh, the, the the guy that turns up like a bad penny at every single club in the football league Mr John Rhodes uh, so I won't bother reading out I won't bother reading out any of my prediction because uh, Stu just covered it for me <laughs> Like, pretty much word for word. Uh, nil two, Rhodes and Windows. I went with the goal scorers the other way round, if that makes any difference. <laughs> well, if he if gets the first goal, then you need to take half uh, half a point. <laughs> just, just for the... <laughs> uh, I will go for Adam Reach to score Sheffield Wednesday's goal, please. Bit of a reach, that one. Oh, no. You too no. could have your, your, your very own Doug Reach around. So, Charlton Athletic oh, versus Bull City. Uh, as he's in the room, he's getting all the goals, uh, but it does mean he gets to also pick last. So, Paul, what have you got in this game? Hmm. Hmm. Maybe let maybe let Paul go last next time. Hold <laughs> oh, on. No, they're away. Hmm. 
Charlton need to win to get in the uh, playoffs. So they, need, they need some results to go their way as well. Um, yeah, they do. They, they... I, I will go with Stu's prediction of if they win the league, then I'm going to predict them to get beat last uh, next week because they'll be on the piss. So I'm going to go for Charlton to win 2 0. Interesting. Goal scorers. Yeah, I thought you were that. Um, League One, Charlton. Oh, Chuck's a Nike. Yes, please. What? <laughs> a- Do you need a tissue? He's uh, only wearing one. A N E K E. Okay. And Washington. The Washington football team. <laughs> um, I have gone completely the other way. Nil three. You heard it, nil three. Wilkes, McGuinness, and the Honey Monster himself, Honeyman. Stew. Our uh, our, our telepathic scoring system was uh, clearly off kilter this time because I am somewhat controversially picking the exact opposite result. So a three nil home win. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is, this is purely based on experience, as I have been there before. Um, thank you very much, Walsall. Um, I will go for Stockley. Matson or Matson is double A. And uh, for no other reason other than that it almost has two B names in it, Forster Kasky. Lovely. I say beer loosely in the Foster's term, obviously, but... Well, it's no Rattler, is it? <laughs> but it could be. So there we go. That's the predictions for the week sorted. Paul, are we talking money? We will be shortly, actually, to get the stews bet on. And then we can go about it. You both had similar, You both had exactly the same results for the first two games, didn't you? 1-0 and 0-2. Indeedy doody. I couldn't. I couldn't pick anything but on the basis that they've been on the roof of the training ground multiple times. I think in the <laughs> over the last weekend, singing songs and drinking lots and lots and lots and lots by uh, the the videos that I've seen circling. So, yeah. uh, I mean, it's great. I'm, I'm completely. They, they could just not even turn up for the game this weekend, and everything would still be fine. <laughs> And and if they didn't play, it would go down as a three nil home win. I do believe as well. So. <laughs> right. So, I'm liking you thinking. I had Middlesbrough three, Wickham nil at fourteen to one. Derby nil, Sheffield Wednesday one at fifteen to two. Uh, Charlton two, Hull nil at ten to one. So I have a treble of. 1,401.5 to 1. Wow. 
Andrew. Yes, sir. You had Middlesbrough one nil at thirteen to two. Sheffield uh, Derby nil. Sheffield Wednesday two at fourteen to one. And Hull uh, Charlton nil Hull three at thirty three to one. Giving you a treble, my friend, of three thousand eight hundred twenty-four to one. <laughs> Season tickets all round, boys. Yes, please. And finally, and finally, you had Middlesbrough one, Wickham nil at thirty-two as previously discussed. Derby nil, Sheffield Wednesday two at forty-two one as previously discussed, and Charlton three, Hull nil at three uh, at twenty to one. Giving him a treble of two thousand three hundred and sixty-one point five to one. Woo! Banner! Woo! There we go. I feel the season drawing to a close. Sad times ahead, I'm afraid. Sad times ahead. So. As I mentioned previously, we like to have a little format. Our format is uh, is fine-tuned. And this is the bit where uh, I... It doesn't have to be me. It could be you. It could be Stu. It could be anybody. Anyone. As it said in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, anyone could wear the mask. Anybody could attempt to beat the jock. Um... Paul knows pretty much every single thing in history about football. To the point that Paul knows the future of football. Uh, He once had a dream about flying cars and football. Um, So, the the way we've been doing it this season is one question, one answer. If that one question gets a right answer, he manages to keep the title... For another week of jock. However, a wrong answer will deliver a crushing defeat. And he brings disgrace to his dojo. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's been building all season. And here we are. It's smallest stadium in the world question. And you would be completely wrong. I can't do it. I can't do it because I've given it, given it that much build-up by now that I imagine Paul has done that much research on the smallest items in the world that he's probably visited them. To... I heard that he'd actually put Bannon permission in for a two-seater stadium in his back garden just so he knew uh, any of the answer. I heard that as well. Uh, easier than you'd imagine, apparently. So... There is a YouTuber under the name of HITC7s who put out a video a certain amount of time ago uh, that was entitled The Seven Most Remote Football Stadiums in the World. Now, most remote doesn't necessarily mean smallest, but I wouldn't be surprised if it falls in that category. So I may... I've already seen the answer, but we're not doing that question. No, uh, we were we were because um, I absolutely forgot to uh, to get a question. 
So I scrambled, scrambled, and came up with this little ditty. The record age for youngest head coach in the Bundesliga is 28 years and 205 days. Who was it? Is it Julian Nagelsmann? Alright, I will only accept that if you can tell me where and when. Well, he's the current RB Leipzig manager. Uh, and I would imagine he got employed in a maybe 2019? That is not the answer I have here. You've got the right person. Not the answer I have here. So he did get it right, essentially. Yeah, he got it right. <laughs> yeah, he still, he still keeps it, his title for another week. That one, that one's just because it, it sort of comes up all the time. Whenever I'd be like to run like TV and stuff, they'd always talk about the fact that he was the youngest head coach in the history of the Bundesliga and so far. Um, was it last year that he got put in charge or was it before? 2018? So, it's 17? not it's not that club for a oh. start. Oh. Is it much, it's not like Munch and Gladbach or something like that? I've got Hoffenheim. Yeah. Oh. 2015-2016 season is the, uh, is the answer. But yes, you uh, you have earned the right to still be the, uh, the jock of the week. So, that brings us nicely to uh, the final segment of the podcast, which is Any Other Business. No, other than hopefully the uh, well after next after next week's wrap up and inevitable season review podcast. Hopefully, the next time you hear us, we'll uh, we'll be able to discuss football from the perspective of people actually being in a stadium to watch it rather than just watching it on TV. Indeed. How Indeed. how glorious would it be if the first game of the season was? Like, like City Borough or like, like Borough Forest or like. Well, so when the fixtures come out, if it is Borough versus Hull, that's no problem. If it's Hull versus Borough, do you come in the Borough end? I mean, it's a bit of a personal question, but um, <laughs> if. Uh, if you if you like, well, I, I don't know. Are you, are you are you still staying away from the ground personally? Or I mean, yeah. I mean, again, we've we've covered this previously that we could do an entire series on it. But um, yeah, I, I, like I'm, I'm I'm very I'm very happy for the actual team. I'm very happy for the um, the manager, but especially because of the position that. He was put in almost twelve months ago. Everybody calling for his head, and 
he's kind of dug his heels in and uh, you know he's, he's got a, a straight promotion back up but in terms of the owners yeah you ain't getting my money pal so just wait quite right too and by the way that's the way to do it don't go breaking into I the stadium I was just about to say and that ladies and gentlemen is how you do it just don't give them your money don't go and start tearing shit up idiots and on that absolute uh, perler if there's nothing else gentlemen uh, I will thank you both for uh, for coming joining me and these lovely people as we dribble our way through the football world and uh, score at the end right thank you very much gentlemen and until next week for the final I will see you then bye so there you go what do you think of that another one done and another week closer to the end of the season it's nearly here what will we do with our time I'm sure we'll take up something you know knitting, crochet, something like that if you're watching us on YouTube and you're one of our lovely YouTube subscribers big high five to you and a big thanks from us obviously you could just uh, click that button now and uh, join the crew so to speak if you're listening along perfectly fine nothing wrong with that but if you could also subscribe wherever you get your podcast these days that would be amazing so there we go big thanks to Stu for joining us and uh big thanks to you guys for listening or watching till next time i'm going to say bye and i'll see you then bye